What's up, you guys? We're back with the Sauce Lab podcast. I'm glad to be back. Another fantastic week of the NFL concluded. This one actually particularly very entertaining with multiple games coming down to the line. A historic kick that you could put in the record books as one of the best kicks in NFL history. Quarterbacks continuing to light it up. Teams that I would not expect to win continue to win. And that is just the NFL any given Sunday. That's why it really is my favorite sport. He's with such a limited sample size and with the league being so close in talent, I'm so glad that there are so many teams that can win at any given point and there really are no dynasties, in my opinion, just at this current point in the NFL. Like, there's, it's really any given Sunday. So I think we're going to hop right into the awards. And then actually I'm going to get into, after I give out my weekly awards like I always do, I'm going to get into my first NBA segment on the Soft Lab podcast, which I'm so excited for. The season is right around the corner. And though football is my main sport that I follow and I know the most about, I think that I have a ton of knowledge in the NBA world. And I'd still like to spit my takes about that as well. So I'm just going to hop right into it with the NFL, just get right to it. With my game of the week, I actually have a tie between two that went down to a nail-biter. One was the Raiders versus Dolphins at the 430 slot. That one went down to the very, very end. Raiders just edging out the Dolphins in what was an amazing shootout. The Raiders, even though I said that I'm really not too confident, they look great in that game. I've literally, the Dolphins were the team that I would sell last week, so I'm clearly not too high on them. The Raiders were number two out of my three in the 2-0 teams last week, so I was iffy on them. But after I saw what I saw out of Derek Carr and his ability to drive down the field and get it done, I loved it. I really, really loved it. One group that I especially want to give credit to is a group that I was discrediting going into the season, and that is the Raiders' secondary. Trayvon Mullen looked great. Trayvon Merrig looked great. Uh, Casey Hayward has so far been one of the best coverage corners in the entire NFL as of late, and that is something that I never thought that I'd be saying ever again. He's old, and I thought that he was at the end of his career, but he's really just hitting his stride now, so I'm very glad to see that. But really what I'm so glad to see is Carr's ability to spread the ball to so many different positions on the field. Like, originally I thought that Darren Waller was just going to be the primary guy, and that's it. But with the departure of Josh Jacobs, Peyton Barber came in and took some snaps and actually was pretty efficient on those runs. Brian Edwards had some great catches. Obviously, Darren Waller, Hunter Renfro, everybody really got theirs. And a spread offense where the quarterback knows how to get it to all their receivers is one that I'm obviously very confident in. So, I'm... Even though I do think that the Raiders roster is just not up to par with what I thought it should have been, they're clearly over-exceeding expectations. John Gruden is playing some great football, and I think that though he has not secured his seat right now, it's being pretty secured. Like, there's nothing else that you could do other than going 3-0 and that's going to make you look any better. And then in the other game, Packers versus 49ers, that one was the shootout the entire time, but as soon as Kyle Juszczyk scored that touchdown and you give Aaron Rodgers less than a minute, to drive down the field, you knew that it was over. That is just what Aaron Rodgers does. Devontae Adams, big credit to him after that humongous hit, got back up and ended up getting both of the big catches on the final drive to drive down the field and let Mason Crosby hit the game winner. 
I thought that if there was some mishap, then Aaron Rodgers would have said some bullshit statement in the press conference, like, this wouldn't have been the same if I was on another team or something like that, just to stir up the pot. But because they got to win, he got to show that last dance mentality that he had going into the season. Same with Devontae. I really like that connection. I think if the Packers are right back on track after their abysmal week one, they bounced back last week and then had a statement win last night, making them back into that Super Bowl contention bubble where I would not be surprised if Aaron Rodgers goes on to have an unreal season, MVP type continues to get those last second wins for the Packers, which is exactly what they need. Offensive player of the week, I've got Josh motherfucking Allen of the Buffalo Bills. He lit it up around 360 passing yards and five total touchdowns. That is MVP numbers right there. And actually, I mean, I'll get into it. I'm going to talk about it a little bit later when it's the next week predictions. But I think that when they're going up against the Texans next week, after that first week loss to the Steelers, I think that a lot of fans and analysts were starting to discredit the Bills and saying, oh, they're not the same team that they were before, including myself. I really did think that if TJ Watt was able to create so much pressure in that first game, that might be a big problem going forward. But if Josh Allen is able to do what he just did yesterday again next week, that's re-cementing himself into the MVP conversation. He spread the ball around incredibly. Emmanuel Sanders had a great day. Cole Beasley had a great day. Stephon Diggs had a great day. Even Zach Moss had a great day. So I'm really loving what I'm seeing out of the Bills, and I think that they're also, like the Packers, reasserting themselves into that Super Bowl bubble. Defensive players of the week, I'm giving two. I think it's a tie between two guys. One, Miles Garrett was unstoppable against that Bears defense in Justin Fields' first start, made him look like he doesn't even deserve to be in the NFL. I mean, I'm not one to talk because my favorite rookie quarterback is doing pretty atrocious as well, but the Bears' offensive line was just no match for the pass rush of the Cleveland Browns. Miles Garrett continuously got got to the quarterback with such fierce and aggression that I really thought that Justin Fields might even get pulled just for the thought of him maybe getting injured he got sacked I think it was around eight nine times that game which is just unheard of he created so much pressure and I think Miles Garrett really is solidifying himself as the best edge rusher in the NFL and then the other guy is Byron Murphy who was really great in coverage had two great picks I mean the first one wasn't really like a coverage pick it was a tip pick but the awareness of him to get that pick and then the second one where it was a pick six Two picks and a pick six. Great in pass coverage, four tackles. It was a very, very good day for him, too. He's a guy that I've said I like breaking out this year. I love what he's doing on that Cardinals defense. The Cardinals are for real. I said that last week, and I'm going to continue to beat that Cardinals drum and think that they are going to enter that upper echelon of teams and be a team to beat very, very soon. Fantasy Player of the Week. A guy that you guys know, if you listen to this podcast, I've been saying that his breakout was coming, and it looks like it is officially here. It is Mike Williams of the Los Angeles Chargers. Had an unreal day, 122 catch, 122 yards and two touchdowns, one of them being the final drive that capped it off with a minute left. He got the long ball, and then he got the go-up-and-get-it touchdown to beat the Kansas City Chiefs. 
unreal performance out of him. I think that we've always seen signs of this coming when he's on the field and healthy. It's just he can never remain healthy. So it was just a question of whether he was able to do that. I am praying that he does not go down this season and he could continue to play it out, have the Pro Bowl season that I think that he really deserves, that Justin Herbert needs for him to have that sophomore breakout, not a sophomore slump. So far, it looks like Justin Herbert has just finished off right where he left off last season, and he's just looking fantastic as well. But Mike Williams is really a guy who's solidifying himself as a top five second receiver in the league and should be that going forward. Biggest injury of the week, I'm going to go to Christian McCaffrey of the Carolina Panthers, We do not know his timetable yet. I assume that he'll be back within the regular season, but it is so hard to say because he's a guy that was out for so much of last year that really scorned fantasy users and fantasy and just owners of him in general made them very upset. And personally, I actually was lucky enough to have him in multiple leagues and I was scorned with him as well, sadly. But what I really wanted to speak of in the biggest injuries thing is just how many there were this week. Some other notable guys that went down, A.J. Brown, Khalil Mack, James White, Blake Martinez, Sterling Shepard, Darius Slayton, Teron Armstead, Quinn Nelson, Trayvon Merrick, and that's just the big names. There are so many dudes that went down. Obviously, it's something that we need to pay attention to in the NFL is just injuries in general, but... It is just so upsetting to see so many guys that I love, that I predict to have a good season, that are such pivotal parts of their team go down. It's not their fault. They don't want to go down. They want to go out and win for their team. It's obviously very disappointing to see, but there were just so many injuries this week. I think that that'll continue to riddle the NFL, obviously, and it's something that we got to obviously keep our eye on. Team that I'm starting to buy is the LA Rams. In my opinion, LA Rams, I'm going to get into this more in the storyline for the week, but I think that this is the best team in the NFL. I, I know that it might be crazy to say, better than the Kansas City Chiefs, better than the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, but what I saw out of Matthew Stafford and his dink and dunk style with Cooper Cup also airing it long, like this is exactly what I was predicting going into the season is that he's going to be able to run up these amazing run plays with backfield motions and zone blocking which will open the short pass, which will open the deep pass. Deshaun Jackson, Van Jefferson, both going to benefit highly off of that. Cooper Cup has been unreal so far, really just looking like one of the best receivers in the league right now. And just the LA Rams, their defense is still exactly what I thought it would be. There are so many guys that are bringing other guys up. Jordan Lewis, the, the linebacker, is looking great. Uh, Taylor Rapp is looking very, very good. Jordan Fuller, just so many guys like that are going absolutely insane. And I'm so glad to finally see that out of the LA Rams. I think that this could be their Super Bowl year, the year that they make a run, the year that Matthew Stafford finally wins a playoff game. I'm very excited for what they're able to do with the Sean McVay, Matthew Stafford connection. A team that I'm starting to sell is the Indianapolis Colts. I hate to say this because I really love their roster as a whole, but going down 0-3 just to start the season, Carson Wentz looking more like his eagle, more like his latter eagle self than his earlier eagle self, just not doing exactly what needs to be done. And then the injuries to Quinn Nelson, their shortcomings on the defense. I know that they obviously still have DeForest Buckner and Darius Leonard, two guys that I'm so, so high on that I think are so good, but 
around them, they really don't have that much. Their safeties and their secondary just as a whole really need some help, and they're just getting scored on pretty easily, which I think just automatically at this point should put them out of playoff contention. It's so hard to climb back from 0-3. I know that they've done it before, and they were actually the team, I think it was two years ago, that started out like 1-5 and and then ended up making the playoffs just off of miraculous whatever. But I just don't see that out of this year's Colts with Carson Wentz. They really like Naheem Hines, it seems like, just as much as Jonathan Taylor. Even though I'm so high on Jonathan Taylor, he's just going to be the guy that ends up stopping his insane reign. And I think that they're going to go on with their that being their running back core is Naheem Hines and Jonathan Taylor forever. I don't think that they're going to let Naheem Hines walk and let Jonathan Taylor be a workhorse, I think that they're going to ultimately just continue to utilize this two running back scheme until we see otherwise. So with that team right now, I just don't feel that confident. And I think that all ideas of them being a playoff team or a team that actually makes some noise in the playoffs are pretty out the window. Random new hot take that I have is about two wide receivers. One, Brandon Cooks is a top 15 wide receiver in the NFL and Cooper Cup is a top eight wide receiver in the NFL. I know that, that might be crazy to hear both of those. A guy that Cooper Cup, people were taking him at around wide receiver 18, 19, 20 in fantasy. Uh, Brandon Cooks, people were taking him around wide receiver 35 to wide receiver 45. Just really not fantastic numbers whatsoever. But what they've been able to do in their respective situations is unreal, and I think that it is time to start putting recognition on both of their names. Brandon Cooks, what I had originally thought going in is that he's very talented, but the ineptness of the offense, I saw the Jets last year, and I know that when an offense is very bad, it's really hard to get anyone started, regardless of their talent, just because there's so much shit around them that they're going to get shit on them. But... For some reason, I mean, I guess the reason is because he's a really good, really talented receiver, is Brandon Cooks has still been able to put up the production numbers, even without Tyrod Taylor, even with an inefficient running game, with a pretty poor offensive line, bad other receivers, Brandon Cooks is still able to shine, so I think that that's enough to put him top 15, and Cooper Cup, his connection with Stafford so far I think is the best quarterback to receiver connection in the NFL as of right now. I don't think that that's that hot of a take. The players that I probably think that are going to be better for the rest of the season going onwards are probably DeAndre Hopkins, Tyreek Hill, Devontae Adams, Stephon Diggs, Calvin Ridley, and that honestly could be it. I know that that sounds crazy, but I think that I'd rather have him than Justin Jefferson now. I'd rather have him than DK Metcalf. I'd rather have him than A.J. Brown, than Allen Robinson, than any of the Buccaneers wide receivers. I'm really loving what I've seen out of that connection, and I think that they're just continue. They are going to continue to grow, and Cooper Cup is going to continue to solidify himself as one of the best receivers in the NFL. So incredible in the slot. Really just always lights it up in the box score. I think he has a touchdown in every single one of his games so far, and he's just been looking like that guy so I think that I'm ready to continue to say that he is that guy I'm bumping him up so five storylines from the week that we're going to take away number one what do we make of the Steelers offense in my opinion it is a wacky one what we saw last week Deontay Johnson out Juju Smith-Schuster left the game in the first half and what came out of it was Ben Roethlisberger attempting around 60 passes looking 
horrible doing it. He is so immobile. He's clearly way out of his prime, and I don't think that it was the right decision for the Steelers to give him that other year. They should have just gotten rid of him, had so much more money to spend in the offseason on other positions of need, and got him with the younger guy and just see what his potential is. But that offense is really concerning to me. It seemed like without Deontay, they kind of reverted to what they did last year where they weren't running the ball much. Yet, obviously, I need to say this, Najee Harris really looks like a future Christian McCaffrey. Just based on the amount of receptions that he had, the targets that he had, I know that they were not such difficult routes. They were more like drags and screens and things like that. But I think that Najee Harris getting that workload in the pass game makes him a top five fantasy running back by a landslide that is an easy extra 14 points just to tack on to his stat sheet. Even though he only got the ball, I think, 14 times, 14 carries the entire game, which really isn't workhorse numbers. No running backs were competing for touches, though. They just continued to pass the ball, and the ball went to him a lot. So I think that that can continue. Najee Harris is a top-five fantasy option for the rest of the year. The volume's 100% there, and he's talented enough. But with the receiving core being injury-prone and plagued as of right now, and Ben Roethlisberger really not looking like that guy, right now TJ Watt is out too, which is really going to affect their defense, obviously. I think that this is a very bad offense, and it's something that we really need to start looking at and start saying, hey, this is really what's going to F them over when it comes playoff time, when it even goes deeper into the season. I think that they're just going to continue to have this offensive struggle that isn't going to be able to overcome either making the playoffs or getting the playoffs and beating a playoff-worthy team. I think that that's really going to bite them in the ass at the end. Number two, can Justin Herbert lead this group into the playoffs? What we see out of Mike Williams, Keenan Allen, and Austin Eckler, I think is a top five trio on offense in the NFL, you could argue. I mean, I know that you could obviously put the Chiefs up there, the Rams up there, something like that, but those three have all been playing up to their strengths, if not above. Clearly Mike Williams, but I think Keenan Allen and Austin Eckler have been exactly what they were advertised as, which is Keenan Allen is just a reception machine, a reliable number one target, and Eckler is that receiving running back out of the backfield. I love this group so much. Hopefully the Derwin James injury does not linger and he can just get back on the field and continue to be a monster. But Nazir Adderley looked good. Uh, whatever, uh, Asante Samuel Jr. looked like a friggin' pro out there. He was locking up guys. He had that insane diving interception. I know that that was not Patrick Mahomes' fault, but the defense looks stout. Joey Bosa still looks like himself. And that offense, I think Justin Herbert is currently on his path to having a sophomore breakout again, another Pro Bowl-type season where he can really actually make some noise now that Anthony Lynn isn't there. Brandon Staley really looks like a great coach for Justin Herbert's progression and just for the team's progression as a whole, and I'm really excited to see what they're able to do. I'm very confident that my hot take of Justin Herbert leads them to the playoffs and they win at least one game is looking really, really good. And I'm ready to see them take the frick off. 
Number three, Panthers defense is top five in the league. I think you can book that now. That is definitely a book it type situation. What they're able to do with the pressure and their secondary, I think, is so talented. Their linebackers have been stepping up to the challenge. Shaq Thompson especially really having a revitalization of his career. But they, Dante Jackson looks so good. Brian Burns looks so good. Two guys that I was so big on going into the year are really lighting it up so, so, so much. I'm so glad that they're doing so. Jeremy Chin looks fantastic. And actually, the day that I'm coming out with this podcast, they just made a trade for a new second corner, which I think is a fleece in my opinion. They traded Dan Arnold and a third round pick and in return got a fifth round pick and CJ Henderson, the former third pick only two years ago from the Jacksonville Jaguars, a guy that I think is so young and has so much untapped potential. You guys know that I am a big believer that good defense rubs off on the rest of the defense. So if they're able to create that pressure, if Dante Jackson is able to lock up the one, that's only going to allow CJ Henderson to excel more in his cornerback two role. This time he doesn't really need to go up against the number one receiver. He doesn't need to have as much pressure on him. And I think, and I can really see a breakout starting already by this week. He could start hitting the ground running, looking like he's going to be that guy on the Panthers defense. I'm so excited for for what I've seen out of them and even the offense as well but I really but the offense I still don't really know officially what to make out of it because they played a lot of bad defenses but the defense I know for a fact is an elite unit and is one that has come to play this season for sure number four can the Vikings offense keep their team afloat what I honestly think is the case is that their defense is horrific and their offense is top eight in the league. And it's just going to be the question, can that offense be efficient enough to continue rolling like they have been? Even though they're one and two, they just came off of a huge win against the Seattle Seahawks. Kirk Cousins has been looking really, really good. Like even though he's has a very capped ceiling because he's Kirk Cousins, he's been doing everything that he needs to do. I think he has three touchdowns in all three of his games so far, which is great out of a quarterback like Kirk Cousins. Justin Jefferson has been doing good. Dalvin Cook was out this week, but even so, Alexander Madison stepped up in his place and had a very good game. KJ Osborne's looking like he's already becoming a breakout. Tyler Conklin, their tight end, is stepping up in place of the injured Irv Smith Jr. And all around, I just really love what I've been seeing under the Vikings offense. It's on the defensive side where they're really struggling so hard. I'm still sticking to my guns thinking that they probably will not make the playoffs just because of their inefficiency on defense. But their offense does look good. I think Jefferson is still a top 10 wide receiver. I think that Thielen's still a top 20 wide receiver. Dalvin Cook is still the lifeblood of that offense if and when he comes back. It's just a question of will their defense fall to the occasion or will they rise to the occasion? I personally think fall, but we'll only wait and see. And number five is, is this the end of the Kansas City Chiefs? My opinion, no. But there are some serious struggles that we need to start addressing. Their offensive line did not look like what they were advertised in the offseason where they added so many new pieces and they said, oh my god, this will be a top five offensive line. I, I said that as well. I really thought that with those players, they would definitely do good. But it seems like a lot of guys in the offensive line aren't stepping up to the occasion. And it seems like at this point, with their holes on defense... They can't play that style where they play down to their opponent, wait until the end of the game, and just Mahomes gets the ball and runs it out for a win. We just saw now two weeks in a row where they tried to do that similar style, 
and both times they came out unsuccessful. Their defense really couldn't hold the opposing offense enough, and I'm really worried that if they get to playoff time and they think that they can do that type of style where they just let the defense get eaten up a little bit, they go down around two touchdowns, and the Mahomes pulls them out. I think that Mahomes and the offense is still successful enough, but offenses are becoming so good in this current NFL that if they were to go up against a Cleveland Browns or a Buffalo Bills or even an LA Chargers, I think that they could be in some serious hot water where they need to pull themselves out of a very, very deep hole and it can't you can't put it all on Mahomes' shoulders. This is what I've been saying, this is what everyone's been saying for years, is that you really need the great supporting cast around the people. It's what Aaron Rodgers wanted when he asked out. They just can't be asking him every single time, yo, we're down, pull us out of this situation. This is not what Mahomes is gonna be able to do for the rest of his career he's obviously gonna only he's only a man he's only human and he can only do as good as the situation is around him so if they continuously give him the ball while they're down and just expect him to pull it out it's just not gonna happen every single time it's not the end of the kansas city chiefs they're still i'm still predicting them to win their division i'm still predicting them to actually be the afc super bowl favorite but I think that they really, really, really need to clean some stuff up. Andy Reid also was not there for this past game. So I think that once he comes back, he asserts his presence and he says, we cannot let this shit keep happening. That's when they're really going to lock in and start to switch up their ways. But as of right now, I definitely have some question marks. Top into next week, a player that I think that you guys should start next week is Nick Chubb against a bad Vikings rush defense. I think that he's definitely going to have a bounce back game this week. I think that they are very bad in the trenches. They'll do, I think he'll get 20-ish carries in the game. Definitely book it for a Nick Chubb touchdown for sure. I just think that he's going to run all over a very bad Minnesota rushing defense and he's going to be a great start for this week. A sit this week is Lamar Jackson versus the Denver Broncos. What I've seen out of their defense so far is exactly what I was expecting. A very elite unit with a very good secondary. I think that it only works when Lamar is able to open up the rush and the pass, both in the game. That's when he really excels, and I think that he's really only going to be held to just being able to run out of the pocket and not be able to just sling the ball down to Hollywood Brown who actually had some of the worst hands that I saw last week. So if that continues and the Broncos defense continues to be elite, I think that Lamar Jackson might be a pretty bad sit start this week. So you guys should probably sit him. Group that will disappoint is the Giants as a whole versus the Saints. What I saw this week after that loss against the Falcons means that they are really cementing themselves as the bottom five team in the NFL. They're really not looking good. Daniel Jones clearly does not look like the answer. And the Saints, who are coming off of an amazing win against the New England Patriots, where they're trying to cement themselves as that team, as a really good team to beat in the NFC, I think that they're just going to come out swinging against the Giants. Their defense is going to be elite. Their offense is going to shine against a unit that overperformed last year, and I think will continue to underperform this year in the Giants' defense. So I could see Winston going for around three touchdowns. I could see Daniel Jones getting sacked five, six times and just the Giants coming out with a very big L this week. 
and then a group that will shine. So I think Josh Allen, like I said earlier, will cement himself back into the MVP conversation against the Texans. If he just had a five-touchdown, 360-yard game this week, I think he could do something very similar. I could definitely see 350 yards, three, four touchdowns would be fantastic. Re-putting himself into that MVP conversation, reminding analysts and fans and everybody around the world that Josh Allen is a top five quarterback in the league. He still has room to grow. He's still only getting better. His wheels are still there, and I think that he's just going to go crazy this week. And then my three locks of the week, these are just three games that I have. Also just want to mention, last week, three for three. Right now, I am 8-1 and one on my locks for the season. So far, a fantastic percentage. I hope that I keep that up. Bills beating the Texans, 41-17. to 17. Book it. Saints beating the Giants, 30-20. to 20. Book it. And football team goes on to beat the Falcons 20-7 to in a very low-scoring game where both offenses don't look amazing, but the Washington defense does just enough to get them over the hump. Matt Ryan continues to look pretty poor, and they get the win as well. So those are my three picks for this week. Alrighty, now I'm going to get into my first NBA segment of the podcast with the season right around the corner. I This is probably my favorite thing that I did for the NFL season, and that is breakouts by position. This one, I have a lot less positions to go over, only five, obviously. The one, two, three, four, five in basketball. I'm thinking of the players that are going to have the biggest incremental jump from where they were last year to where they're going to be this year. A little thing, all these guys on this list I think are younger than 27, so I think that's going to be like a youth breakout, not like a revitalization of their career. There are some guys that I think that will have a revitalization at an older age, and I could do that in a video for sure as well, but for right now I'm going to be doing the young players that I think are going to break out and finally be as good as they've been hyped up to be, or just overproduce and be better than everybody thought. So starting out at the point guard position, I've got Lonzo Ball, newly acquired point guard of the Chicago Bulls. I think that he is going to be the perfect facilitator and defensive point guard that the Chicago Bulls need. Now they have three really good scorers around Lonzo Ball in Zach Levine, DeMar DeRozan, and Nikola Vucevic. I think that Lonzo Ball has is now solidifying himself as probably the best defensive guy on that starting lineup, and I think that he's going to be able to make so many open looks for DeRozan in the mid-game, Levine everywhere. I really think that Levine will take a big jump, and Vucevic in the post. Vucevic also can hit the three ball, so I think that's just going to help with floor spacing and just the ability of Lonzo. To get it done, he's not going to do need to do too much on the scoring side because they've got so many guys that can put the ball in the basket all around him. So I think that if he just maintains his role, ups his assist numbers even more from what they were when he was on the Pelicans, I think that he's going to have a monstrous season. I don't know if he'll get an all-star nod. Maybe he just goes on to be a very, very solid player on a team that goes very far, but I'm really excited for his breakout. I don't know if the Bulls are going to be so incredible record-wise, but I think they're going to be an extremely fun team to watch that puts a lot of points on the board that is going to definitely make it to the playoffs and could actually make some noise in there as well. 
Number two, I've got Darius Garland of the Cleveland Cavaliers. I know that it's obviously very shaky with him and Sexton still being in the lineup together, but I think that it's a very good argument that Garland is a better pure point guard than Colin Sexton. I mean, I could definitely make the argument that he's a better passer, better facilitator. Maybe Sexton might be a little bit better at getting the ball into the basket, but with Garland's age and not much around him, I really actually like their big men. Not too much this year, but I think Markinen, Jared Allen, and Evan Mobley will be a very solid trio to keep going. So if Garland can find the passes down into the front court and get that done, I think that he is going to really have a breakout season as well. I think he continues to need to score the ball. He needs to up his three-point percentage a little bit, but what I've seen out of him before, especially if Colin Sexton does get traded or something happens with him, that I could definitely see Garland taking a very big step up. Number three, I've got Jalen Brunson of the Dallas Mavericks. In an offseason where they really didn't add many playmakers, they still have Chris Dapps Porzingis on their team. They have shooters all around Luka, but that is really not enough for them to say that they got a new third scorer behind Luka and Porzingis. And I think Brunson's going to step up to the occasion. He's also a very good passer. I mean, I think Luka will honestly start at the one. Brunson might even come off the bench. I would like to see a, a tons of packages where Luka runs the two. Luka can still bring up the ball and Brunson's still on the floor with him. But I think that Brunson is underrated at putting the ball in the basket. I think that he has very solid assist numbers. And if he can just be the facilitator on that team, which doesn't really have a third star, especially when they have a budding superstar, budding Hall of Famer in Luka Doncic. And I think that he'll be enough to get them the wins necessary to make it into the playoffs for sure, just him alone. That's going to allow Brunson to have these big-time games where he's going up against really good point guards and showing himself that he can have that breakout this year. Number four, I have Tyrese Maxey of the Philadelphia 76ers, a guy that if Ben Simmons does get traded, will automatically assert himself into that starting role, playing alongside Tobias Harris, Joel Embiid. That is a really great situation. He showed that he's a very good spark plug off the bench that can put the ball in the basket, that can get you very, very solid point guard numbers. So especially if Ben Simmons leaves and if they were to get a bigger package for Ben Simmons that doesn't involve a point guard like Damian Lillard, say that they were to get a Bradley Beal. If Maxi could play alongside Bradley Beal, Tobias Harris, and Joel Embiid, and he has control to take the ball up and run that offense, I think that he is going to have a stellar season, and I'm very excited for what he's able to do. Number five, Theo Maldon from the OKC Thunder. It's just another team where I think that they don't have a lot of faces and somebody's got to step up. I really liked what I saw out of him. He It was his rookie year last year, and he, he continues to work off of the efficiency that he had in his small role last year. Obviously, Shy Gilgis Alexander is going to be getting the starting point guard role, but I think that he'll be a very good spark plug off the bench. He's probably the best guy leading that second unit, and if he can continue to take big steps up with like Isaiah Roby, Lou Dort, Alexa Pokoshevsky, many guys like that that I think are also very young and have a lot of potential. With all their draft picks, say that they are to make some big splash move like that, or in in contrast, maybe start Lou Dort at the three, Shy at the two, go very small ball and have Malden run the one, and then probably run Poku at the four, I guess, and then slide Roby to the bench. But that would be a lineup that I would really like to see too, just with the potential of those young guys in your starting lineup. I think that that could be a 
key to success, at least personal success. I don't think that the Thunder are going to be too good this season just because of the roster, because they're still in that rebuilding mode where their new best player is going to be a guy who's drafted in the 2025 draft class. with how many picks that they have, but say that they are able to make a splash move, maybe he's able to come out there and really start shining with another star, with Shy, or something like that. My last point guard breakout is Malachi Flynn of the Toronto Raptors, a guy that was also a rookie last year, who on a team when they just lost Kyle Lowry, it looks like Flynn is going to assume the starting point guard role. Van Vliet will play the two. I'm hoping for Siakam to have a little bit of a jump from last year. There's a guy at the three that I'm really loving. I'll get into him a little bit later. I think you guys know who he is. But I think that him and Malachi Flynn are going to have a big jump this year where they're just looking like a much better all-around player. Uh, Flynn is a great passer, underrated three-point shooter, and will be able to get that big jump for this coming year for sure. Now, moving over to the shooting guards, I have at the one, not at the one, my number one breakout player is Lou Dort of the Oklahoma City Thunder. His ability on the defensive end and his ability to score makes him, I think, a top three to five, three and D player in the league. Very, very quick. He locks up the one almost every single time. And like I said before about Theo Maldon, if the Thunder are able to utilize this young lineup and actually get the most out of their players and actually see a lot more potential than they already have going for them, I think that Lou Dort's going to be one of the highest beneficiaries of that. He could easily go for around 17, 18 points this season, really taking a big jump from where he was at last season. He continues to be elite on the defensive end. He doesn't really need to facilitate. He doesn't take the ball up. So I think that if he continues to guard the one like he has been doing, continue to improve as a scorer, I think he could be a really, really good shooting guard in this league. Number two, Emmanuel Quickly, a guy that I'm not even sure if he's going to start. I think that they might, honest, the Knicks might start Evan Fournier at shooting guard. But Emmanuel Quickly is a bucket, a certified bucket. We saw that in the summer league. He was able to just contest, consistently knock down threes from very deep. And just as a scorer, a spark plug on the bench with Tom Thibodeau as their coach, I'm really excited for what Emmanuel quickly is able to do, probably leading that second team in scoring. I mean, I know that they have Derrick Rose, they have Alec Burks, a lot of guys that know how to get buckets on that second unit. But Emmanuel quickly, his youth, his ability to score, I think that will really ascend him into one of the top 15 shooting guards in the league by this season. Number three, I've got DeAnthony Melton of the Memphis Grizzlies, a guy on a team that I think is really just budding at the seams. They have so many good guys around them, a guy that has quietly been one of the most efficient players really in the NBA in general, both as a scorer, he's a solid rebounder for a two, he can pass the ball, he is just really good. He's locked in for, I think, another three years on his contract. He's only 23 years old, and I think that he continues to grow alongside Ja, alongside Kyle Anderson, alongside Jaron Jackson. I think Jaron Jackson's also going to have a very good year. I'll get into him a little bit later for sure. But I think that I'm ready to see D'Anthony Melton really take off. I don't know if he's going to assume like an all-star type role, but he'll definitely be a very solid facilitator and just guy who can get you some buckets as the starting two of the Memphis Grizzlies this year. I'm very excited for what I'm going to see out of him. Uh, number three, I or number four, I've got Jordan Poole of the Golden State Warriors, a guy that I think is going to start the season at the two, especially while Klay Thompson is still out with his injury, just a guy who knows how to get buckets. I think alongside Steph Curry, that's just going to open up so many uh, 
like easy passes, easy looks for three. I think that he's really going to improve at three-point scoring this year. I mean, that is really what the Warriors need him to do, but I think that he's a very good bucket getter, just able to just put points on the board. He doesn't need to do too much in a situation where I think Andrew Wiggins is probably going to be asked to score more. Uh, James Wisen's obviously going to be handling down low. Steph Curry is obviously the main beneficiary of that entire team, and he's really going to be the thing that everything works around. But if... Poole can even do somewhat of what Clay Thompson is able to do in the shooting category, and he really needs to take a step up defensively, but if he's able to do both, I think that he could really solidify himself as a very solid player, and then once Clay Thompson comes back, he could be a very vital part of that backcourt, or not backcourt, the second lineup, and can be a spark plug off the bench for sure. Uh, number five, I have Grayson Allen now of the Milwaukee Bucks. This one I really love because not a lot of people are talking about it, but I think that it's similar to what we saw to Pat Connaughton last year, where it's a team that will for sure make a deep playoff run. We just saw them win the finals last year. And on their second lineup, they have Jeff Teague, Pat Connaughton, and Grayson Allen as their backcourt. Two guys that I think aren't so spectacular at getting buckets. Grayson Allen is still very young. We obviously know him for his scoring ability. So I think that he could be a spark plug off the bench that has some serious points in serious games where the whole world is going to get to see Grayson Allen get a quick 15 points off the bench, which is going to be very pivotal for the Bucks getting wins and stuff. So I think that he is going to be a very good player this season. And then lastly is Terrence Mann, now the starting two on the LA Clippers, and who will, I think, shine while Kawhi Leonard's out. Kawhi Leonard actually has an injury that he's going to be missing a lot of time until maybe even just January, February, which is a very, very long time frame. And it's time for Terrence Mann to really step up. We saw what he did against the Jazz in the playoffs last year. He was a very good bucket getter. And I think we'll continue to do the same. Paul George isn't going to be taking too many looks away from him. He'll probably honestly start at the three and Paul George start at the two. Maybe that will switch and Paul George will start at the three, I guess. But... They don't have many other secondary scorers. I think he's a little bit better than Reggie Jackson at putting the ball in the basket. Their big men aren't really score-first big men, so I think that Terrence Mann will definitely get a lot of really good looks, will improve offensively. He seemed really, really solid defensively, and if he can continue to work off of that, then I think that he's primed for a very big season as well. So that is actually all the time that we have for today. I am going to finish with the other three positions in next week's episode. So I'd like to thank you guys so much. I hope that you guys liked my first NBA segment. I hope that you guys like my recap of the NFL week like I always do. I'm so excited to keep doing this. So excited to read you guys my small forwards, power forwards, and centers and the breakouts for them. Um, thank you guys so much for watching. Don't forget to like and follow. Tell your friends about the Sauce Lab podcast. And just have an amazing week. I'll see you guys next week after another slate of fantastic, fantastic football games at the beginning of the NBA season and just a lot of great things to come. So thank you guys so much. Have a great one. Peace.